Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome back to Man in the Mirror with Kai and the beloved NJ. Welcome back to the show, NJ. Thank you so much, Kai. Can you hear me? Can Can you hear me now? Are you You got another job too? Besides, are you You got another another show besides Boss Radio Live, too? Are you that new commercial? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> so I guess okay. that's yes, you can hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear you. This okay, evening, great. we... It's great to be back. Good. Right, I'm excited about excited tonight. excited for today's show. Yeah. Amen. This evening, we are continuing our book club. This is the first time that we've ever done anything like this for we've been on air you know off and on for the past seven years this is the season since 2014 i know i know i can't count so you can laugh but seven years october will make seven years that we've been on air and i'm excited we've been doing a book club we met this young man before 20 in the midst of the storm of 20 20 and we are here now in 2021 still kind of sort of in the midst they say we you know post out of it but i don't think so but we've met this young man uh, dr don wood um and we're discussing his latest book because i know he's working on another one and maybe out by now um the good work welcome back to the show dr wood hey this is very nice to be with you uh, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> hey, you're a doctor to us, sir. Uh, again, okay. we're having we're having these monthly discussions about his bestseller. And tonight's episode, we will be discussing. And I've been thinking about this after I read it. Chapter five: Waving the White Flag. And he said he t- kept telling me this is going to be a good show. But uh, before we get started. If you have any questions or comments, please press the number press the number one on your phone, and we'll put you in our queue. With that said, um, NJ, please open us up with prayer. Well, amen to that, Kai. Lord, we just uh, thank you for being here today. Lord, we ask you to bless the show, Lord. Bless each one of us, Lord, as we continue to try to do your will, Lord God. Lord God, allow the listeners to be blessed by what they hear, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we know that it's your spirit speaking through us, Lord, and not ourselves, Lord God. So we just thank you. We bless your name, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 And with a little introduction, as we know, Arthur Don Wood is a retired educator living in Raleigh, North Carolina. His higher education experience includes teaching business communication, publication design, journalism, and leadership 
at Oakwood University, Indiana University, Howard University, Virginia Tech, and Winston-Salem State University. He wondered why I call him doctor. Well, <laughs> surrender is a potent human condition, uh, a contribution to the process of God's good work. Our struggle against sin is really a struggle against sin against sin is usually a struggle against God. If you're honest, the agony is in knowing that something we want so much is wrong. And that was a quote from the book. Now, you you open up with saying, and I'm reading straight from the book, surrender is a potent human contribution to the process of God's good work. Let's, and you then you go say, there's a work to do on my part. I realize that living a lie cannot work much could not work much longer. Sin had a grip on me, and I had to hide it. I wanted to believe that I could fix my problem, and no one would ever know it was there. Yet, it gets harder and harder to keep up the performance because the the weight gets more difficult to carry with each passing by. Now, let's start off with that at the beginning of the chapter. What are you stating there? Well, I you know... I think that one of the problems that many people have today is that um, they are active church members who want to be seen as being on God's side, as being representative of the Lord. But at the same time, they find themselves trapped in whatever sin problem it may be. And, they, you know, what we wind up having to do is, one, we have to keep up the performance of having everything running on all eight cylinders, uh, while at the same time realizing that we are failing miserably in our personal walk with God. And it becomes more and more challenging each day to try to keep up the appearance of being in, you know, good faith and having, you know, a, a, an upbeat spiritual attitude when in reality we're wrestling with uh, spiritual failure. And this, it becomes harder and harder because basically we're living a lie. Uh, we know things aren't working, but we're trying to pretend that they are. And eventually it gets to the point where we have to make some critical decisions as to whether we're really Christians are not, and often many people find themselves giving up, falling by the wayside, you know, being basically spiritually destroyed because of winding up living a lie. Amen, amen, and I like that word that you use. I write these things down. They're active church members, but they're still living a lie. And they're and they're lost in their spiritual failure. Yeah. Um, any questions or comments, um, NJ? Amen. No, just keep going, keep going. Okay. And then um, I like what you said. Even if we don't do these things, lying of any kind, ungratefulness, proud, haughty attributes, and behavior, unkindness, and fearfulness are listed scriptures as 
lake of fire offenses to God. They are abominations to him. Hence, according to Paul in Romans 8, 6, we are at war. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then that's when that statement comes up. Our struggle against sin is really a struggle against sin. It's usually a struggle against God. If you're honest, the agony is not knowing that something that we want so much is wrong. All right. Tell us about that statement. Uh, yeah. Uh, when you when you look at what, what – I mean, one of the things I was trying to do in this book was to be uh, as open and honest about what really goes on inside at least my head, and I think probably inside of a lot of people's heads, about our relationship with God, about our – attitude toward him and sin and everything else. And to be honest with you, a lot of what we do as Christians is to some extent performance art. Uh, We have mastered the art to a large degree of knowing how we need to appear in order to get the kind of accolades and response we want within the church community. And so we want people to see us as upstanding and, and, and righteous individuals, and we know how to act, and we know how to, you know, how to get the sound in the voice and the tremble in the voice, and we know how to do all these things that, that usually say to Christians, you know, this guy is anointed, or this woman is anointed, or something like that. And in reality, we know that uh, it's, it's, it's far from the truth. And what I'm trying to deal with in this book is how can we get to the point where we're being very real about our spiritual condition so that God can liberate us? Because that's what this book is largely about, is liberation. It's about being rescued from Egypt. Egypt symbolizes a place of bondage. That's what the Lord said to the people as he gave them the Ten Commandments. He said, basically, you know, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it became very clear to me that in order to get out of bondage, there had to be a terms with reality and truth with with God. And so often you hear people saying things like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to fight the battle. I, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this thing. I'm trying to get over these problems, et cetera, et cetera. And the question is this, are you really fighting a battle against that something? Or are you really fighting a battle against God? Because the fact of the matter is, most of us, if we were really honest, our tension is with the Lord. A little later in the book, I, I, I said this. It says, if you're honest, the agony is in knowing that something that we want so much is wrong. We identify with it. We taste it. We feel it. We're stimulated to the breaking point by it. And all the time, God is saying, no. At that very moment, our minds and bodies are, yes, 
ask yourself the question, at that moment of sinful passion, are you frustrated with sin or with God? So if you were in the middle of a porn movie, would you want to talk to your pastor about ministry at that time? Would you want to read some kind of a book like Councils on Diet and Food as you're about to eat your cheesecake and you know you probably shouldn't be eating it? In other words, the frustration isn't with cheesecake. The frustration isn't with the movie. The frustration is when God interjects himself into the scene just as you're about to enjoy whatever it is your particular sinful passion is. And so the war is with God, not with sin. And the transformation that needs to happen in our Christian experience, the warfare from God to sin. And this can't be done by mere human effort alone. First, there has to be the recognition that we are at war with God. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we are, you know, like you said, we wrestle against we wrestle against flesh and blood. So, it's not a war, you know, like you say with sin, but it's actually a war with God. We want to do right. What what does you know, what does yeah. you know, he's saying Romans we want to do right. I don't know how to say it, but what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do do. So, yes. That, and, that, and that's, that's, that's going in this in this particular chapter, and I think you know just down down the page we start talking about that issue of the two natures, and um, and and I don't want to jump ahead of you. I'm just saying we you know then I get into the issue of comparing these natures to uh, having browser tabs open on the on the computer because I think that's something that people can kind of relate to. Uh, and, and, and kind of, you can kind of, everybody's had these experiences with having different browser tabs open at the same time. Yeah. You know what? You can jump into that and we can, you know, we can jump around and talk about that because okay. I know I'm going to, I'm going to hear it from NJ cause that's something that I do all the time. So I, 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 I got, I'll confess right now. You can tell me about it. I'll confess right now. And I have a lot of browser tabs open. So, but that's me, yeah. but go ahead. Well, you know, you remember probably back in the 90s when you, you know, the Internet was a whole new exciting thing for most people, the World Wide Web, and we, everybody got on. And so if you, if you wanted to, you know, if you were on one website and you needed to look at something on another website, you had to really actually open another browser window. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you, it, it, it was kind of inconvenient, but, you know, hey, it was all new. But then somewhere along the line, I don't remember what year it was, they came up with the idea of browser tabs. And that allowed you to open a number of websites without having to physically open another window, another you know, browser window or, or whatever, uh, on your computer. So you could have multiple tabs open and just click between them to get to the things you wanted. So if I were reading a particular thing, but I needed to have a dictionary open, I can have a dictionary on a tab and I could have something else up and I could kind of go back and forth and copy something from here and paste it in there and do a lot of things with browser tabs. 
But the problem with browser tabs is this. You can run all kinds of media in a browser tab today. So you could be running a movie in one browser tab and reading a book in another. But you might forget at times that you have two browser tabs open, and you might start watching a video in tab one, and then suddenly the audio from tab two pops up and starts creating a real confusion. And and I think everybody has had this situation where you get all this stuff going, you have all this noise going at the same time, and you have multiple people talking at the same time. You're going like, what in the world is that? What's going on? And you, you try to figure out where, where is that coming from? You forgot that you had a browser tab open with the news on one thing and something else on another. And this is the way life is, and I think this is what Paul was describing and why it was so difficult for him to make it clear as to what he was talking about. But I think what he was trying to convey was the level of confusion that happens in our lives when both of our natures are running at full volume. And the same thing that happens with browser tabs. We can have these two tabs running, and they're both got the volume up, and we have a hard time understanding what's going on, and it's confusing to us, and we know something's got to get turned off. Paul's saying, look, I'm, I have a good nature, and I have a bad nature. One is controlled by the devil, the other is controlled by the Lord. But they're both active and open in my life. And it creates a terrible problem for me because I want to do right, and I love doing right. But at the same time, I want to do evil, and I, and I love doing evil. And sometimes when I want to do right, I can't do it. And sometimes when I want to stop doing evil, I can't stop. I find myself in a wretched situation. And that's the way it is with us. We find ourselves wanting to do good, and we can't. And we find ourselves wanting to stop the evil, but we can't. It is clear that the solution to our problem lies outside of us. God wants us to understand how powerful sin is, but he also wants us to understand how powerful he is and how powerless we are without him. Mm, amen to that. <laughs> I was just, I was sitting here listening, and and Kai is absolutely right that uh, I get on him about the browser tabs. And another thing um, that he does is the the multitasking. And I was I was telling him once that I was in a in a class, never thought about it this way, and teacher was saying uh, multitasking is not effective. And she was saying, mm-hmm. you know, you really need to have your concentration on a task, one task at a time. If you do not do that and you're trying to do several, neither has your full attention and you're not going to do either effectively. And I was just like, what? You know, because all I've ever heard is multitasking <laughs> was great. Do, do, do several things at one time and you can get more done. 
and it and it really hit yeah. me about that. And so that's what I was thinking about when you were just talking. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, it's like we're trying to multitask our life. Like we're trying yeah. to have, you know, the 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 good and the and the evil nature, the sin nature going on at the same time, thinking that we're being effective somehow, that we're still an effective yeah. Christian, that we're still living an effective life that we're happy, but really we're not doing either well anyway if we're trying to straddle the fence and do that. And so why not give that spiritual nature, our spiritual nature, our spirit man, that 100% of us to make sure that we really are effective. And I'm saying effective, and that sounds businesslike, but, you know, there's nothing business-like about God. But, but you know, the thing is, how who wouldn't want to be effective in their Christian okay. life? And, I mean, you yeah. know what I'm saying? In other words, why do we want to be defective? And God wants us, you know, throughout <laughs> the book of Deuteronomy, throughout the book of Exodus, God's, God's determination for the people when he brought them out of Egypt was that he wanted to not just bring them into the promised land, but he wanted them to learn how to love him and obey him. And his words were, so that it will be well with you. Mm. In other words, God wants things to be effective and go well for us. That is his desire for us. He's saying the purpose of my giving you the commandments was that it would go well with you. And Satan has launched a war on God's commandments to the point where mm-hmm. he has brought about a situation where much of Christianity today has decided that the enemy of Christians is God's law. And mm-hmm. we want to prove that the law was, was, was nailed to the cross and destroyed. And the fact of the matter is, God's law is the reason why Jesus went to the cross in the first place. Man Mm -hmm. disobeyed God and broke his law, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible also says that that sin is the transgression of the law. So Jesus came, the Bible says, to put an end to sin. So if Jesus came to put an end to sin, and sin is the transgression of the law. Why then would God nail that very law to the cross when it is the transcript of his character? When it is what he's trying to help us to be able to live a life that Jesus lived. And see, the whole thing that much of the foundation of today's Christian world is off it's completely Mm. off and what's happening is is that you have people who are drifting aimlessly through life trying to make up their own standards of righteousness and it 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 leaves people confused because they want to believe that they're on the right track but they have no idea because their pastors and people have told them the law is against you the law is evil. You need to only trust in Jesus. Well, yeah, 
trust in Jesus, but Jesus himself asked the question, why do you call me Lord if you won't do what I say? Mm. Amen. And, you know, I think we have to realize that nothing that God wanted us, nothing that that was contained in the law, it was wrong or or he didn't change his mind uh, right. about those things. He still doesn't want us to do those things. But, yes, yes people are, are a fan of saying, well, we're under grace now. Um, and, and, yes, we are. But that grace, that grace for us is because we aren't going to do everything perfect all the time, but, there's still expectation. God still has an expectation of us, and what are we doing to meet that yeah. expectation that He has? You I mean, know, think what, of it this what are way we too. doing actively? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Because you know, if you if you think of it like this, if you you have children, and your children don't always get it right as far as you're concerned, mm-hmm. but you don't cast them off. You don't get rid of them because they don't get it right all the time. You love them, and you want it to go well for them, and you do everything you can to try and teach them to do things in the right way. Mm-hmm. And see, God does the same thing with us. See, that's what the grace is, the grace and the mercy. The mercy, if we, you know, I guess the whole thing in this whole thing about the the, uh, the waving the white flag and the surrender is understanding the fact that most of us take God's mercy for granted. Mm. And it sometimes mm. points to the fact that we don't really believe that he is. Because the fact of the matter is, the Bible makes it clear that the wages of sin is death. God has every right to annihilate every one of us just for what we think, not so much even just for what we do, but for what we think. The way we think is corrupt and sinful. And God has a right as the sovereign God of the universe to say, enough, I'm done, you're gone, poof. That's his right because he made it clear that in the day that thou eatest, to Adam and Eve, thou shalt surely die. Or as the, the original language puts it, and dying, you shall die. God made Adam and Eve so well. They were so powerful and so well made. It took 930 years to, for Adam to die. But Adam died. And death reigns even today. But God has a right to take us out. But instead, he exercised mercy. But that mercy is not just a free ticket. The Mm -hmm. mercy came at a humongous price. Jesus lived. There's only one way to cure sin. The Bible makes it clear. The innocent has to die for the guilty. Someone who never sinned has to take the penalty of death for those who have sinned so that they can be free from the penalty for their past sins. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why they sacrificed a a lamb without spot or blemish. 
It had to be something that symbolized the innocent dying for the guilty. When Jesus came, that's why he was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. Meaning that from the beginning, not as an afterthought, but as as prepared in the event that man sinned, Jesus had already given himself as a sacrifice that was to come for the sin of man. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He did not sin in thought or action. He lived that perfect life to set himself up to be a sacrifice. He became the perfect sacrifice for our sin because of the sinless life he lived, and he died so that we would not have to pay the penalty for breaking the law. And so, in thanksgiving to him for all that he did in living that perfect life of taking that risk for our sake and going to the cross to vindicate God's law and to prove that by faith humanity can be free from sin, in gratitude for that, we want to nail that law to the cross. We want to get rid of it so that we can live a free life where nobody can tell us what to do. That is ridiculous. But that Mm. is the shape of Christianity today. The Christianity today is built on the idea that the worst enemy we had was God's law, and thank the Lord, Jesus came and got rid of it. And I'm telling you, that is pure (laughs) D foolishness. But it is what most Christians today are living on. God came to vindicate this law. He came to say, this is the principle of my kingdom. And if you want to be a part of my kingdom, I want to put that law in your heart. I want you to, I want you to know it and to live it and to, and to have it power your life so that you can have it go well for you. Mm. Amen. And look, but, they, of course, most Jesus people say, that's legalism. legalism. That's legalism. <laughs> Amen. You know, he fulfilled the law, but then we're, we're also supposed to be uh, imitators of Christ. So if he fulfilled the law, we're yeah. supposed to be imitators of Christ. What are we doing? And what when you use that word fulfilled, it also means magnified. He mm. magnifies the law. It, it, I like he, it. He, he he presented it in living form. See, the Pharisees, you know, you remember that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people people made a judgment when they saw how Jesus presented the truth versus how the religious leaders presented the truth. They saw in Jesus someone who presented the word as one having authority. They didn't get that from the people who were dealing with it only from a theoretical standpoint. Jesus mm-hmm. not only understood the principles as the Pharisees did, but he lived them as the Pharisees yeah. did. Mm. He lived them. He was the embodiment of them. 
he showed people what the law looked like in human flesh. He showed people what holiness looked like in action. And people responded to it. The woman at the well, the man by the Mm -hmm. pool of Bethesda, the centurion, all of these people, they saw it and they said, I want that. That's the life I want. That's how I want to be. And he's saying, I can be that way. I can have this power. I can be holy like this. And I want that. That's what Jesus wanted to do, is to awaken us, awaken in us a thirst for his word and a thirst for his love and a thirst for his law so that we would be his kind of people. Now, does that mean that I have to try and keep the law to prove myself to him? No. What I'm doing is I'm opening my heart to him to allow him to write that law on my heart, to allow him to transform my life so that I will find myself being obedient to him with joy because it's like being like my dad. Mm. Amen. Okay, oh, what you what you have to say about that? It's break time, but what you have to say? <laughs> hey, look, I'm lo- I'm at an awful word, so I have a couple things to say, <laughs> but we're going to take our break, and then we're going to come back with that so we can stay on schedule. You guys are doing a great job. Um, a note from our supporters, Music Instruction for All Learners Arts Academy, where the arts knows no bounds. If you love the arts like photography, dance, culinary arts, all online, then go to MeFowl Arts Academy website, www.mefowlaa.org, and check them out. Or call them and talk to Dean Lavender and get more information at 833-643-2563, extension 701. And I'm excited about this young lady, Boston Radio Live with NJ. So I am going to let her tell you about what's been going on, the 411, about Boston Radio Live with NJ. Oh, my gosh, you're so extra. <laughs> well, the four the four one one Kai is that uh, Boss Radio Live is off and running, you guys, and you can catch it uh, on Facebook and on YouTube. On Facebook, you want to look for Boss Radio NJ, and on YouTube, Boss Radio Live with NJ. It airs on the second and fourth Fridays live on the second and fourth Fridays, guys. And so catch it. It's been amazing. I've had some amazing guests uh, on the show. So be sure to definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel, Boss Radio Live with NJ. Uh, Subscribe so you can catch all the shows um, that come second and fourth Friday, 6 p.m. Amen, amen, and here we go since we are talking about change. Here we go. Right where you are, just release the name of Jesus. Come on, say Jesus, Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
We are back live with Man in the Mirror with your host Kai and NJ, and we are doing our book club to end of this month um, with our author extraordinaire, Dr. Don Wood. We are actually on Chapter 5, Waving the White Flag. And when you hear something like Waving the White Flag, it's like, okay, we're talking about surrender. When you wave the white flag, you talk about surrender. 
And that's what he's basically been talking about, conflict, surrendering. It's like a seesaw. You're going back and forth. Do I want to give in? Do I, I don't want to give in? I'm, I'm still enjoying the sin I am, but I know I'm wrong. So, I, you know, and as um, NJ said, I have a lot of tabs open, so that, that's, that's my that's my <laughs> thing I go with. But, you know, I, I do know about and when she was talk, when you guys were talking about that, I heard when you have one tab with music on, or another tab with the news on, another tab with a video on, you keep you're hearing all those overtones of everything that's going on at the same time. And in when you're playing a piano, it's like if you hold the pedal down, the uh, sustain pedal down, and you play all these tones at the same time, you're going to you're going to hear the overtones. From everything at you know everything that's going on because you didn't release. Yes. Oh, that because you didn't that release. That's the key. To, didn't you didn't release. Re- yes. Right. You didn't release for the next part, but you just kept holding that pole down through, and everybody's hearing mush. But yeah, I understood yes. that, and I like, I like what you said, and it was one part, um, in this, um, as you were talking about. You said confess to sins running in the bad tabs. <laughs> I like that. All yeah. right. You said confess them. Open up. Hey, look, and you talked about, okay, God, you know, I got to get rid of this. What's ever going in this tab, I got to get rid of it. I got to press that X. I got to press that X. Some of us don't want to press that X to exit. Right. You know, as Snagglepuss used to say, I mean, I'm aging myself <laughs> now, but <laughs> exit stage left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we have to yeah. exit out of it, which gives us more power. We, you know, as the song was said, we got to break those chains that's holding us down, and that's what you're basically saying. It says, if we confess first, that's one of my favorite. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession yes. is good for the soul, as they say. Um, so, and then you talking about Proverbs 28, 13, and Psalm 30, 32, 1, have some important things to say about confession. There's a powerful bondage that accompanies confession. This act is far more loaded than we acknowledge. One of the key elements of confession is that it clearly sets the role and relationship that we must have as we deal with God. Yes. This is, you know, see, there are several problems that we're facing as, as Christians today. One is we really don't fully understand where we actually stand with God. Uh, we, we, we're trying to deal with God as if he's a buddy. He is our friend. He has made that clear in 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 in, in John uh, John chapter fifteen. He is our friend, but he's not our buddy. It's not a relationship of equals. God is the one who sets the terms and determines what the roles are. God is the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. We don't, and unfortunately for us, we spend a lot of time rationalizing our sin away. We, we don't even think of it as a sin. It's just that other people have sins. I have problems that I'm trying to overcome. I have generational uh, curses and syndromes 
But Jesus did not die on the cross for our syndromes. He died on the cross for our sins. And we have to understand that God can only be our friend if we are in right relationship with him. You know, Proverbs 28:13 says this. I'm reading this from the uh, uh, the the New American Standard Bible. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. The fact is, it's saying that if we conceal our sins, then we cannot prosper. But if we if we confess our sins, we will then be able to experience God's compassion. And I think this is a key point. The issue of compassion from God. See, we often keep thinking that I know I got to get rid of these problems I have. Doesn't seem fair. Why is it that I can't enjoy this or that? Why does this have to be wrong? I know I got to get rid of it if I'm going to, you know, be, you know, just in case, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to make God mad if he's there, but I still feel like it's just not right. That's not confession. That's self-justification. That's, 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 that's refusal to acknowledge the seriousness of the problem we have. It's refusal to accept that what we're doing is sin and an abomination in the sight of a holy God. We don't think we need compassion. We think we need to go and negotiate with God to try and help him to see that what we're doing isn't that bad. And then you hear people, and I've heard people, in the middle of doing something they know is wrong, they say something like, you know, I know that, you know, that this, you know, people don't, you know, this isn't, this isn't something that people think is right. But I talked to God, and the Holy Ghost told me, go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know you've heard it. And you sit there saying to yourself, wait a minute, why is it that the Holy Ghost only tells you to do what you want to do? Why is it that the Holy Ghost always is telling you that whatever the Bible said is wrong is right for you? There's a pattern here. It's a rebellion against termination to have your way. It's giving yourself a strong delusion and turning yourself over to a reprobate mind. It gets you to the point where you can no longer distinguish between right and wrong because you've justified your evil so much that you now begin to believe that whatever you do is the result of the Holy Ghost. It may be a ghost, but it can't be holy if it's breaking God's law. And so what people do when they hear stuff like this, 
is they go, see, you're a legalist. You're a legalist. See, you're, you don't, you're not dependent on Jesus. You, you're trying to depend on keeping the law. No, no, that's not what it is at all. And I have a whole chapter on that in the book. The issue is before we can have peace in our hearts and righteousness in our lives, we have to first acknowledge, confess that we have been transgressors of God's law and be specific about that, about that confession. And then God can work the work now of repentance in our lives and help us so that we can then surrender to him. In other words, we have to admit we've been at war with God. That's the first thing. And since most of us are spending our time justifying ourselves before God, well, Lord, you know how much I love you. You know I'd do anything for you. You know I give all my money to the church. You know I do this, and you know I do that, and I'll sing for you, and I'll I'll do this and that for you. I'll 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 go to the ends of the earth for you, Lord. You know I you know how much I love you, and the Lord is going. Yeah, I do know how much you love me. Problem is, you don't know. Wow. You think uh, you love me. Mm-hmm. But you are actively at war with me while, while at the same time wanting to live right. That's why I'm very quick, very careful about calling people hypocrites. Right. Because when, when we call people a hypocrite, what we're trying to say is, Whatever it is that was good about them that we saw is phony, that there was nothing good, that they were actually just pretending to be good. That's not what's really happening. The two natures are active. The two natures are real. And the good that they were doing was the good that they were doing by the grace of God. The problem was, because they had not confessed the sin in the bad tab, because they had not acknowledged the fact that, that while, they were at, while they were serving God, they were at war with him actively. Because they had not confessed this, the evil was starting to overcome the good. The purpose of the surrender, the acknowledgement that we are at war with God, is so that we can put an end to the warfare and be about the business of transformation. Amen. And as you were speaking that, if I may, um, I remember you were talking about who are we actually dealing with and what it basically, what spirit are we dealing with? And I brought, I found that, that statement and the evil spirit answered, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are Uh you? You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. You know, if there was yeah. a man who should ever boast, it is Apostle Paul, but he did not glorify glory in anything save the yeah. cross of Christ. So, you know, the, you know, you're saying, who are we, what spirit are we dealing with? We're dealing, you know, that people don't realize, what are you dealing with? And that's what you're yeah. saying. You're not going to call anybody a hypocrite. What you're saying is, what spirit? am I dealing with or what spirit are you dealing with? Because, you know, we're all human. We're all prone to sin. We're flesh. Yes. We can't, there's no super Christian. 
There there are no super Christians because we've all tried to be that super Christian. That's exhausting. Or, you know, holier than thou, that's that's exhausting. But I wanted, you know, as time is winding down, I wanted to um, go over a couple more things. And you said open the windows and doors. Have you ever gone away from home for several days and returned to find that though your house was clean, it, it seemed stale and stuffy? With little to no air conditioning running and you and your insulated windows shut and locked, it's no wonder the place needed airing out. Oh, but when you open that window or door, ah, fresh air, circulation, coolness. Now it's good to be home. Confession is the opening of the doors and the windows of life. Life stuffy within that stagnant airless atmosphere of sin and artillery smoke from the warfare with God. So I like how you said that you're you're amazing with words. It's like, yeah, when you're 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 you come home and your house has been nothing's been going on, it's humid, it's hot, and you can just smell that. But when you open everything up, you're just releasing everything out. Yeah. Getting yeah. the stillness yeah. out, getting you know, getting air circulating in the house, you know, it's just the atmosphere changes, and the you know, yeah. artillery. And I like that's that's um, that's you know, what can I say? Airless atmosphere of sin and artillery smoke from the warfare with God. Yeah, it's very descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> it made yeah. me see it. Mm. Yeah, if we could ever acknowledge, see, the thing is, like, in the definition of, uh, of, of, of the white flag, there are, there are several little components in that, and it, you know, it, it, there are things that we have to really kind of think about, and the key elements of that waving the white flag, one, it's a protective sign. In other words, when a person comes and they're ready to surrender, the white flag says, don't shoot me. I'm here to negotiate and to surrender. It's also a request for negotiation, and it identifies who the weaker and the stronger parties are in the conflict. It signals the intent to surrender, and it shows that the negotiator isn't armed and can't be fired upon. These are the conditions that come into play when we wave the white flag before the living God. And I like the last part. God will not fire on us. Satan will. And the thing is this. God wants us to acknowledge the war and to recognize the fact we can't win. We've lost. And that's the best loss we can ever have. Once we acknowledge the fact that we have been fighting against him and we come to him to negotiate at the table, he says to us, come now, let us reason together, Mm -hmm. thank the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. That's what God wants to do. He wants to sit table with us. But before we can sit down at the table, we have to first acknowledge that We were at war with him. We have lost the war, that we have sinned against him. We have to acknowledge the fact that he is the stronger and the the rule maker. 
in this whole thing. We can't sit down at the table and change how he deals. We have to sit at the table and listen to the terms of peace he's offering, and they're fabulous terms because they're as if we didn't fight the war. They're about the future. They're about the positive. They're about the good things. It's not about punishment at this point. It's about God setting the terms for new and eternal life. Yeah, that is a good thing. And as we're closing and as we're winding down, I'm uh, I'm going to read what you wrote, what you said. I I waved the white flag. God revealed to me the depths of my sin. At first, I felt awful and hopeless, but when I looked into the the commandments, I came to the realization that God wanted to help me to have the right attitude and relationship with him so that I could be free. There's no formula that can explain the mysteries of God's life-changing powers. So as we make the feeble attempt to surrender and reach out to his word, he takes it from there. He takes our hand and brings us to a different attitude and atmosphere with him. Any um, last words, Michelle, closing remarks? Amen. I, I, I really uh, enjoyed this, this discussion, and, I, and I, wanted to, I wanted to read a line that was in the book. It kind of made me laugh, but it is so very, very true. Uh, and and it's in this in this uh, surrendering that we need to really do. Uh, it says, "Ask God to reveal to you every instance of this sin attitude and action over the span of your life, so that you can experience collectively what He has been enduring from you for years." I was like, oh wow! <laughs> but this is so yeah. this is so true. If you if if we literally looked back over our life and and just thought about every instance that we send that we send, and I like how you say that this you know we need to acknowledge that these sins were an affront and an abomination to him. Uh, yeah. And wow. That that is just very powerful, um, and what you said there, and definitely something that we need to think about, we need to do, because I think that will give us a very good perspective. It will it will yeah. give us a different point of view of our life, because a lot of times we just walk around thinking that we're doing okay, but. Yeah. And, and that makes really start so that to look. We don't have a lot of compassion for other people. See, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's how we learn to love other people. When we begin to see how sinful we are and how we look in God's eyes and how much compassion he has on us, when you stop and think about the fact, oh, my goodness, and he still loved me in spite of all of this, then when I mm-hmm. see somebody else having a problem, I'm not going to be standing up here feeling self-righteous. Because I'm saying, (laughs) yeah, well, he may have that problem, and that's pretty bad. But, whoa, if only people knew what I was doing to the Lord. Wow. 
I think that's the definite look. That's a call to action. You know that that we need to to consider that, amen. Yeah. In, in our faith walk, and our really uh, repenting to God about about the things that we do and have done. Um, and yeah. I just thank you. I thank you for this because, you know, hopefully every listener will take an inward look at themselves, but it definitely uh, will make me do the same. Amen. I thank you for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Could you um, again give our listening audience your contact information for those who want to get the book or just want to talk to you or want you to give them some words of encouragement as we're closing out this episode? If anybody wants to get in touch with me, they can reach me uh, by email at uh, at, uh, Don, D-O-N, at woodcom w o o d c o m m dot com, or they can uh, text me at three zero one three eight five three nine seven one, or give me a call, whichever way, um, and I'd be glad to share. If they want to get a copy of the book, it's on Amazon, and it's uh, and you know it's a good work. God never throws away anything He's working on. That's the title of the book. The good work, God never throws away anything he's working on, and uh, they can get it at Amazon, and it's pretty reasonable. It's $12 for the paperback. Amen, amen, amen. This was a good and great episode. That's all I can say. Well, again, I thank all of you who have been listening to us and sharing Man in the Mirror uh, with our author extraordinaire, Mr. Don Wood. Our book club is growing as you're listening and getting detailed, I mean, very detailed information. You're not going to get anywhere else unless you listen to these episodes or very detailed information about the author himself and his book, The Good Word. If you have any questions, uh, the information will be on our um, event page and everything that we, our Facebook page as well. This is, this is Kai and NJ. And as always, We'll see you at the mirror.